Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to church again. It's nice. It's actually been the last uh, the last few weeks we've been meeting in the foyer. It's been uh, it's been really exciting seeing uh, all these people just turning up, mingling, connecting again, able to get out. Uh, I'm so thankful to God we live where we do. That we're in a place where where things are quite safe. Where we're we're still got to manage that, obviously. But um, but I'm just so blessed to sort of see people are able to come out and do things. And so as you can see, we're doing things a little bit differently. But um, lives have been affected by uh, by coronavirus over the last several months in a fairly dramatic way. Rob and I went to a town yesterday and just seeing all the restaurants, uh, all the shops that are closed still, um, it's been a, a big impact on, on the economy, upon people's lives. And, uh, and I th I'm just grateful that God has sort of kept us uh, individually. We haven't heard of any major cases in our church. Uh, it's been a blessing to see uh, God continue to work. People still mingling with people, still connecting with people, uh, ringing people up. Uh, it's been a privilege every Sunday to go out and able to give out DVDs to people, uh, some of the older ones who have no access to the internet, and just to be able to connect with people uh, fairly regularly. So we've been blessed by that as a church. Just really quickly, how many people have actually had an encounter with God through these last three months? Just raise your hands nice and high. That's good. We're going to have a time of conversation around the tables shortly, and I'd like those sort of things to come out in the conversation, to testify of how good God has been, uh, there will be pages for you all there, and I'd like some of these things written down so we can actually see them, because even over the next few weeks, it'd be nice to have people sharing uh, of the things that God has done in and through them. Who'd like to hear a few more of those things over time? Yep. You will, around your tables. You will, around your tables. So we're going to look at things a little bit differently, but I want to start off with a scripture from uh, 1 Kings. And uh, I was listening to this message during the week, and if you know the story of Elijah, he takes on uh, Ahab, he takes on the prophets of Baal, they've come off uh, a big drought for three years, again that would have affected them in a major way, but um, he says to Ahab, I want to meet you and I want to meet all the prophets on the mountain tomorrow, 450 prophets of Baal. So they all come together and he says, we're going to put the two gods to the test. My God versus your God. And they, they basically set up an altar. They have a bull each that they sacrifice, but they weren't allowed to light the fire. God had to light the fire. And so these prophets of Baal are uh, having this big performance. They start nice and early. They go right through about lunchtime. He starts mocking them, saying, uh, maybe your God isn't hearing you. Maybe he's having a rest. Maybe he's on the toilet. Maybe he's busy doing something else. Get a bit louder. And they went on all day long and finally he comes in at night time and says, this is the time of sacrifice. He, he puts his cow on, he wets it, literally drowns it, and then he prays a simple prayer. Oh God, show them that you're God. And the whole thing is consumed by fire. And, and I look at that and I think you can just imagine the high that he would have been on after that seeing God come through. All the prophets are killed. All the prophets of Baal are killed. And then Ahab goes back after, uh, after Elijah says that the rains are coming. Ahab runs back. He then tells Jezebel, this is what Elijah's done. And she says, may the gods do to me and more if you're not dead by this time tomorrow. And he gets scared. And I look at that and I think, 
the prophets of Baal had no authority, nothing at all. Their God couldn't light the fire. And she says, may the gods do more to me. You think he'd be thinking nothing's going to happen because her God doesn't exist. But he suddenly got afraid and he ran. And it took a 40-day trip into the wilderness and then heads to the mountain of the Lord. And I think even in times of crisis, he knew where to run. He went to the mountain of the Lord. And at that mountain, he had an encounter with God. And I think it's interesting, God says to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? We've been in a time of coronavirus where we've been at home. A lot of people, their desks have morphed into their couches. Their suits have morphed into pajamas. And they've basically learnt to relax. And I think so often, we've, we've, over the last few months, we've learnt to stay safe in our cave. But God says to Elijah, what are you doing here? Your mission isn't the cave. Your mission, as my prophet, is to be out there, be my voice. And he's, he makes up all these excuses. He says, this has happened, that's happened, they don't like me, this has gone on. And God says, go stand at the front of the cave. And if you remember the story, there's a, a monstrous windstorm. There's fire, there's an earthquake. And in each of these things, God wasn't there. But then there was the still, small voice. And the Bible says, and Elijah heard it. And he responded. And I think to, to know, and we've been talking over the last few months of that, that still, small voice. What is God saying to you? What is God calling you to do? And even in that still, small voice, God says to him again, Elijah, what are you doing here? And then he was told to go out and anoint Elisha as his replacement. And Elisha was the prophet with the double portion anointing. He was told to anoint uh, Jehu, who would become the next king. And he went through and he did these things that God told him to do over time. But the first thing he did when he came to Elisha was to anoint him as the prophet. But I think if Elijah stayed in that cave, if he stayed where he was, Jehu would never have been anointed king. And Israel would have never gone to the next step and been free from the rule of Jezebel. If he'd stayed in the cave, Elisha wouldn't have been anointed with the double portion anointing that he received. If he'd stayed in the cave, he wouldn't have gone out and been the prophet, the voice that God needed him to be. If he'd stayed in the cave, Israel would have been bound up. Church, we are not supposed to be staying in the cave. This time of coronavirus, it's become easy for us to, to stay on the couch. It's easy to stay home. It's easy to relax. But God's call is to go make disciples. God's call is for us to go out and be his voice, to be his mouthpiece. And there's, there's things that we've looked at through this whole time, the, the, the hearing the voice of God, aligning ourselves with what God sees, uh, living the kingdom. These are things that we've been speaking because we feel God is equipping us for what is next. And if we stay home and we don't listen to the still small voice of God, then we're just going to be nothing better than Elijah sitting in a cave. Our church will just be another church on the hill. 
But we are supposed to be hearing the still small voice of God and going out and being his voice in the community. We're supposed to be reaching out and being the people he wants us to be. And since November 2018, I think it was, after the Awakening Australia, I remember we had a, a service here the Sunday after and almost the entire church was up the front saying, I want to be part of revival. And we've been preaching this, we believe God has been speaking this, that, that he wants to do something new, that he is birthing something new. And the scripture we've been reading was Isaiah 43, 18 to 19. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing, it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Roads in the wilderness aren't normal. Rivers in the desert aren't normal. But God says, I'm doing a new thing. Something that you may not have expected. Something that, that isn't normal. Something that people might even look at and say, but that's not how you do things. Yeah, for us to come together and do church like this is something different. And if we get so dependent on a program that we come back to church because we want to have our seat, we want to have our coffee, we want to hear a few songs, we want to have the time of communion, we want to hear the word and then go out again, that's not who God's called us to be. God's called us to be a people who make disciples, who preach the gospel, who pray for each other, who reach out into the community, who do things. So church isn't about a two-hour block on a Sunday morning. Church is about the calling that God has for you out in the community. Coming to church on a Sunday, when we gather together, that's a time to encourage, that's a time to stir each other up, it's a time to pray for each other, and it's a time to send out again. And then the next week, if we come back, it's we come back and we hear what God has done during the week. We get stirred up, we encourage each other, we pray for each other, and then we go out again. But if we stay in the cave, we don't do anything. And God hasn't called us to stay in a cave. God has called us to reach out. And I was thinking just the last few weeks, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12 talks about the fivefold gift. But it's for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. And that phrase is something that God's been ringing in my spirit over the last couple of months. Equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. It's not my job to be up here preaching every week and that's it. My job is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. To encourage each other. To pray for each other. To stir each other up. And some people might say, but I don't know how to do that. Yeah, you do. You've done it your entire life. You go to a coffee shop and you connect with people. But the question is, am I hearing the still smaller voice of God to say something to a person? When God speaks, just drop this little word in there. Look for the opportunity to be Christ in that situation. And there are times when we don't say anything. There are times when we have to step out and speak. And it might not be comfortable, but that's the work of the ministry. Because we're called to go and make disciples. You are called to go make disciples. I remember a number of years ago, there was, uh, there was an advertisement on TV, Christian advertisements, that was really starting to spark conversation with people about eternity. And I was working at Adrian McKenna's factory, 
and I was about to go on a delivery with a big trailer load of stuff. And one of the guys there, he came up and he said, he started talking about this advertisement he'd seen. And I had a conversation with him and I said, you don't know where you're going to go when you die. And he goes, well, I don't believe there is anything. I said, okay, well, think of it this way. If I die when I go out on the road, I could be hit by a truck. You could be hit by a truck on your motorbike. Both of us could die. If there is nothing, then we both go to the same place, wherever that might be. But if I'm right and you're wrong, then I still get to go to heaven and you probably won't. I said, either way, I win. Just give you food for thought. Think about who God might be. And I never saw him again. He left work that day. I never had that connection with him. I know he's still alive, but I don't know where he is. But the thing is, we need to say what God wants us to say at the time God wants us to say it. That guy has never been to this church. So I can't wait till church to say what God wants to say. I've got to be God's mouthpiece out there on the streets. And the phrase that's come up numerous times, times in conversation we've had, uh, our eldership have been together, our leadership team, our staff, we've been meeting numerous times over the last month or two about what things happen as we come back into church. And the phrase that keeps coming up, not just in our meetings, but also other places as well, we hear it over and over and over, is reset. And the word reset means to set again or differently. And I think it's interesting, it's not going back to what was, it's resetting. And as a church, our job is to say, God, what do you need us to do? What do you need us to do as a church? Our calling is not to do a two-hour program on a Sunday morning. It's a great time slot to do things, but our calling is not to run a program. Our calling is to equip you for ministry so you can go out and do the work of the ministry whether it's in the workplace, whether it's in the club rooms, whether it's in the shopping centre, but they're the places that you encounter people. And even in church, as we're sitting around tables, we're going to have a, a conversation in a minute, but you might, in through some of this, you might have people go, I've really struggled through this time. This is a time for you to pray for each other and be Jesus to those around you. Because if you can't do it in here, you will never do it out there. Amen? This is the place we need to be reaching out and stirring each other. Small groups are the place where things happen in a very powerful way. I can preach a message from the front, but the conversation that happens around the tables is so much more effective. The way you actually bring out what God says to you. Because when I study the Word, I only see something little, but you might see something different. You could be having a conversation and, and Toby might say, yeah, but I read that verse last week and this is what I saw. And what I love about the roundtable conversation is that even the kids can get involved. Even the kids can speak what God says. Even the kids can pray. And I shouldn't be saying even the kids because they are a part of our church. So everybody around your table, when you pray, when you talk, you all get involved. If a 12-year-old says, I've got something to say, then you listen because God might be using that 12-year-old to teach you something. I've seen kids pray and miracles happen. So let's not limit ourselves to just the adults. Let's say this is church. 
We're going to equip each other as a church. We're going to reach out beyond our comfort zone and start being Christ to those around us. So I've got some sheets here. I've got plenty here to go around. There's three or four pencils on each table. I want this to be a time of conversation. Write your notes down. We'd love to receive those at the end, so don't feel you have to put your name on it if you don't want to. But there's some things in there that might be applicable to us as a church moving forward. Some of the things we do might be having a specific time of worship. We might have a Sunday afternoon where we get together and just going to be a time of worship. We might midweek decide we're going to run a, a Bible training seminar on, on, say, the book of Romans. But our job isn't to do church on Sunday. Our job is to make disciples. And that's the thing that we're going to be listening to over the coming weeks and months. I don't know how long God wants us to run like this, but we're listening to him. And like I said, I don't want this to become the program. I want this to be ministry time where you're equipping each other, where you're encouraging each other, where you're training each other, where you're praying for each other, where you're releasing the gifts and callings in your life. Who knows what God can do through you, even at your table. And over coming weeks, I'd love to hear testimonies. There is place on the, on the paper to write some of these things down, so write them down so we know what God's been up to. Because in this time of, of lockdown, we've not actually heard all the things God's been up to. And we want to hear more because I know God's been active. I've heard of some people saying God has, has challenged my spiritual walk, that I've, I've discovered that I'm responsible to grow spiritually, not the church responsible for me. And things have been happening in their life. So this time is a time of conversation. We're going to have music playing in the background. So you, you're going to be heard amongst your table, but I'm not going to hear the conversation, say, over at Sharon's table if I'm sitting over here. So talk with each other. I want this to be a time where you encourage each other. Answer the questions. If no one's talking at the table, ask a question or answer a question. Be the first one to speak out and then we'll touch base again a bit later on. Go for it. Who got all the way through the questions? Who's up to question two now? <laughs> I thought we had to jump a couple to get to the end. Feel free to keep the conversations going, but I just want, just for a couple of minutes, I know some people want to go because it's 11.30, but I just want to open up just for two people to share a testimony of what God's done through this time of corona, just to finish off with something really encouraging and stirring. Who's been encouraged by the times around the table? I think it's good to hear, and, and it's interesting hearing that some people have got some incredible things to share. Uh, we were hearing about a, a miracle through prayer. Inika's back got healed. Uh, we heard about Theo's sister got saved. Uh, the first week of the online videos, we had somebody contact us and say they got saved uh, just through the online videos. So God's been doing things, but we need to celebrate that God is continually doing things. So who's two people to share something God's done? All these hands went up earlier, and everyone's keeping their hands down. All right, Michael. Uh, I, th I think the most extraordinary experience that I've had through the coronavirus is um, the experience of the unity of the Spirit right around the world. And more than I've ever encountered it, I've just had this sense of one church. We are one church. And we experienced that through video conference prayer meetings linked up with people all over the state, all over the country, all over the Pacific, and then all over the world. 
and and people praying in their own language and just uniting in worshiping God um, in in interceding for nations and for situations right around the world and denomination and geography was no barrier whatsoever to um, to us being in fellowship as Christians and I just don't want to lose that it's been such a precious time experiencing the unity of the Holy Spirit around the world and it would never have happened without coronavirus and it's, it's never happened before at the scale that we've experienced it over the last three months. One more. Oh, let me change it. Who put their hand up earlier? All right, Ben. <laughs> I'll pick someone. Sure, there's many people have more more exciting things to say, but one thing that I was praying for was God. I want courage to go out and talk to complete strangers about Jesus. And as I get to travel with my work during the week, I go on many different construction sites, and often there's lots of uh, uh, big burly lads who who often uh, aren't, aren't very polite and not so interested in talking about God. But God gave me the courage to talk to two particular people. But the interesting thing was, first of all, he gave me ears to hear when people needed prayer so there was one chappy he looked really stressed he has to run an entire construction site and uh and i'd met him so i actually knew his name i said hey can i pray for you and he said yes then i made a mistake so this is also this is an encouraging story but also a, a chance to learn because i had to learn it and i did it twice before i actually learned it i then said would you mind if i put my hand on your shoulder and he said i don't want you to and then he backed away from having prayer altogether, which was the discouraging part. But what I learnt was, is someone told me, who was a non-Christian, they said, it's confronting enough to have someone want to pray, but for them having said yes is a wonderful thing, but, but the next one, the next step of asking to put the hand on the shoulder is a step too far. So then, so that actually happened twice, so I've learned it. But what the encouraging bit is, is that it's actually people out there, they want people to pray for them. They don't go to church, they don't talk about God generally, but they really want us to pray. So um, <clears throat> the encouragement is, ask God if you want the courage, and he will give it to you. Awesome. You know, every time we step out and we do something for God, it becomes easier the next time. And uh, a few months ago, I'd, I'd said, I put out the challenge uh, to see over the next 10 years, 2,000 people saved, discipled and baptised through this church and uh and that week justin and flynn two of our, our youth said well i'm going to do this and within the first two weeks two people got saved through our young guys and but what they said was it's becoming addictive every time you see somebody saved you want to go again who else can i get what else can i do and as you reach out and you pray with someone and you and you see somebody go yes please pray with me and they get encouraged it does something to you go i want to do this more but for that to happen you have to get out of your comfort zone for that to happen you have to be the church in the community for that to happen you have to be willing to ask the tough questions and learn along the way you learn what works and what doesn't work as ben said you know learning not to just suddenly say i'm going to put my hand on it and have a guy back away you learn the industry where you're working and, and it's great but you you don't stop if elijah stayed in the cave he never would have gone the next step. 
And like Bart was saying in our conversation, we need to be looking for these regular encounters with God. Jezebel threatened his life. He was discouraged. He was fearful. He went to the mountain of God. He went to a place that he knew was safe. But then he, was, he encountered God and then God said, go again. So you come back to the place where you meet God when you need to, then you go again. So if you get discouraged, talk to somebody. Get people to pray with you, but don't stop. Go again. Amen. I'm going to allow the conversations to continue. What I do want to encourage you is pray for each other. Ask if there's any needs at your table. Lay hands on if need be, but pray for each other during this time. This is, again, part of body ministry where we learn how to do things. And then feel free to make another cuppa if you want to. Uh, Ernie and Bronwyn have got some bags. If you want to give your offering uh, something here, don't forget there's the online you can still do. Uh, but we want to encourage this body ministry. Continue these conversations. It doesn't have to stop because it's now 20 to 12. You know, lunchtime could be later on. You might take some of the people at your table and say, let's go out for lunch and keep these conversations going. Let's be more than just attending church. Let's be church. Amen. Father, we want to thank you for this time today. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity we have to do life together. Father, we ask that you continually speak to us. Help us to have encounters with you on a regular basis. Help us to hear what you're saying and know when to speak, when not to speak. To know when to reach out, when not to reach out. Father, help us to be the people you want as we go from here. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. Feel free to have another cuppa. Feel free to continue talking. Pray for each other. Stir each other. Have a wonderful week. God bless.